0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Financials edition taped today on Monday, September 26, 2016. My name is Gabby Lapera and joining me on Skype is John Maxfield, one of our top analysts at The Motley Fool. Hey John.
1: Hey Gabby, how you doing?
0: Pretty good. Um, I just want to remind listeners that this is the last show that wasn't pre-taped before I leave, so if anything huge happens in the month of October, I'm sorry. We'll cover it in November. <laughs> um, so today's show, uh, John and I were talking about student loan debt the other day, and a Bloomberg article came out this morning, um, which just kind of dovetailed neatly with what we wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know if people know, but student loan debt has reached ugh, just gargantuan levels in the United States. Um, it's around 1.4 trillion dollars. Right now, Um, and unlike most other debt, it can't be discharged in bankruptcy, which is crazy if you think about it.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing to keep in mind is that, like, you know, when you think about all the things that are going on in the country right now from an economic perspective, you know, this is reflected in the student loan issue. In fact, one could argue that that is what's caused the whole student loan issue. Let me let me put some of this in perspective. So, like, since the financial crisis. You know, people. The unemployment rate shot up, but the big issue. So, which that sent people back to school. But the big issue is state spending went way, way, way down as they're cutting back their budgets. The federal spending went way up, and so that's where this huge student loan uh, crisis, if you will, has kind of come from.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. If you look at some of the figures, um, student loan debt has exceeded automobile loan debt, credit card debt. That's that's a lot of debt that's been saddled on young people who are just starting out, and you know sometimes it doesn't really pan out. And what you were saying about debt rising—the um, average debt at graduation in 2015 was between 30 and 35 thousand dollars, which was a, and it was about ten thousand dollars in the mid 90s. That's yeah, it. That's a wild that,
1: increase. <laughs> that's crazy. And what's what's even crazier is that uh, most of that debt. Is backed by the federal government, thereby the federal taxpayer. So, so kind of to you know, kind of to that same point, over the la between 2008 and 2013, federal Pell grants, which are uh, kind of those income-dependent grants that they help uh, the uh, underprivileged um, folks, or I, I guess what's the appropriate word? It's um, need their needs-based grants yes. have increased by 72% over the period from 2008 to 2013. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and just to give listeners some context, um, about 44% of federal aid, so not just Pell Grants, but everything, um, 44% of those end up in default, which is astounding. Um, And you might be sitting there thinking, so why are John and Gabby talking about this on my financials podcast? And that's because there's a story that we've been ignoring in favor of the Wells Fargo story, which is the ITT Tech story. Um, Any listeners who are from the East Coast, I'm not sure if this happened in other parts of the uh, country, will be familiar with ITT Tech. Um, They ran late-night college ads. Um, Austin, I don't know if you remember these. Oh, he's nodding his head yes. Um, They have (laughs) the exact same format. It's man who is sad because he cannot catch a break in life. Uh, Images of his children sad at the dinner table. Then he goes to ITT Tech, montage of people at school. Then he gets a job in IT, montage of people in a corporate environment. Now his family's happy, pictures of him and his happy kids. Um, that's how it always went. But recently, ITT Tech um, shut down.
1: Or went bankrupt. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like it did it voluntarily, right? I mean, it, they basically lost their ability to get federal student loans guaranteed, which cut off a huge honeypot for, for the school. And, and, let me just bring one more point up. So, I mean, on the spectrum of schools, you know, you have these for-profit schools like ITT, and those educations, you think it's like, well, ITT, <laughs> the ITT, right? Is that what I said? I,
0: <laughs> I you said ITT, which is like AT and
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nice little mention, AT and T. appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but, but to, I mean, so there's one point four trillion dollars worth of outstanding student debt. A ton of it going to these for-profit schools. And when you you cited that forty four percent, that the forty four percent statistic earlier, think about this: almost half of student loans, outstanding student loans in this country, are either not being repaid as planned or are behind in their payments. And so the the thought process is that, like, look, in the financial crisis, the issue was we had all these mortgages, these subprime mortgages, right, that weren't being repaid. Well, now the conversation is that. This same thing is going on in the student loan market, which now, since the financial crisis, student loans, to your point, have, have now exceeded auto debt and now are second only to mortgages in the United States. So you think, like, oh, well, you know, like, so now that's the second largest source of debt and we're having these huge potential default issues in that pool of loans. And then you think about, and then you trace it back as, as we'll, we will in this conversation about ITT, and you think, like, oh, wow, I mean, there's some real mal- similar malfeasance going on. In that market, as there was in the mortgage market.
0: Definitely. Um, and this actually kind of opens up a topic that, um, that I think we should talk about, which is the difference between for profit and non profit universities. Um, non profit universities are going to be your state schools and your private schools. And what differentiates them from for profit universities is that non profit uh, schools have other sources of funding. Um, like from the state and federal government, that doesn't involve just scholarships to students, but like actual money that just goes to the school to keep lights on, um, as well as endowments, especially for uh, private colleges, um, and then student tuition. And even for them, tuition rates have been going up because since the financial crisis, uh, the federal and state governments have been not been able to contribute as much to, to the financing of the schools. But for-profit universities do not have that. Um, they are there to make money. Um, their ultimate uh, authority are their shareholders because they're private companies, and their only way of making money really is via tuition. Um, whether that is, <laughs> um, whether they get that from uh, federal student aid, which ITT Tech got about eighty-three percent of the revenue from federal aid, which isn't unusual for for-profit universities. It hovers around eighty percent for a lot of them. Or through um, private loans that they originate with huge um, interest rates on them. So <laughs> the problem with for-profit universities is that frequently they don't have the students' best interests at heart, whereas uh, nonprofit universities can have more leeway in in making sure that students actually get a good education because in theory, they're not there just for the money.
1: Yeah, and you know what, you know what's an interesting coincidence, Gabby, is that you know, you had mentioned that we'd been talking in the last couple of weeks about the Wells Fargo show. Was it's a very similar situation here, isn't it? I mean, when you think about what 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 would cause a, a for-profit university to maybe be more exploitive towards their their constituents, i.e., their their students, than say a a, a a public university, right, or a private university that isn't for-profit? And the issue is that you have an additional. Set of stakeholders that the people who run these universities have to keep in mind. So at a public university, right, that the primary stakeholders are your students. Well, at a for-profit university, your primary stakeholders are your shareholders. And that that's important. And, and the shareholders are the most important. And the reason they're the most important in terms of the executives of these companies is because these executives owe fiduciary duties to their, to their shareholders, but they don't own that same legal duty to their students theoretically. So they're always going to pick the shareholder over your student. And so then what happens when you're picking your shareholder or your student? That means you're going exclusively for profit. And what we've you know as opposed to quality of education and what we have seen in this whole ITT debacle is that basically these 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 companies are just going out there trying to maximize revenue in whatever way possible whether that's you know jamming people full of loans that they can't afford that they should under no circumstance can get or cut reducing costs. And they reduce costs by reducing the quality of the education that they're providing. So at the same time that they're maximizing revenue, they're cutting expenses, and that's great for shareholders, or at least it was. I mean, now it's like obviously horrible for shareholders because it went to zero. But 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 for your students, it is an absolute nightmare.
0: Yeah, um, ITT Tech, um, they they are in a lot of trouble. Um, As we mentioned earlier in the show, they shut down uh, about 130 campuses, I believe. And they weren't the only ones who got shut down. Their accrediting uh, council also got shut down, which we'll get to in in a second. Um, But let's get into why why they ended up getting shut down. A lot of it goes to what we were talking about earlier, with um, them receiving so much federal aid, and the federal government feeling that students were not getting a good value for their education, or for the money that they were paying for their education.
1: Yeah, and, and they would it's not only ju- that they would they would give them a bad product, but they would use these kind of um, they'd use these techniques to rope people in to the college, to rope people into these student loans. So for example, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh, filed a lawsuit about two years ago. And, and at the foundation of that lawsuit was an allegation that what ITT was due, was that in order to, you know, like let's say you wanna buy like a car, right? And you get like those, or you get a new credit card, right? And you get like that interest only period, or you don't have to pay interest, or whatever it is, you get those introductory periods that the, the terms look really good. Uh-huh. Well, ITT would do the same thing. So they would give like an, an interest free one year loan to get people into the college. But then when that loan was up, then ITT, and this was part of ITT's entire plan. According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they would then, once that loan came up, the people would be stuck with all this money that they had to repay. So then, what ITT would do? They would have their their student financial people, the people that you know help students get student loans, roll those temporary, quote unquote, free loans over into these really expensive private loans, where the origination cost could be as much as ten percent of the actual loan.
0: A lot of money.
1: And, and so here's what's interesting, Gabby. Like when I was when I was reading through this, we were talking about this. What you, when you come away with looking at this, you're like these these companies are loan originators to a certain extent, yeah. and then you have this like product that they kind of throw in with it, you know?
0: Yeah, um, and obviously, well not obviously, but one of the problems with with ITT Tech and for-profit universities in general um, is that they frequently kind of preyed on people who um, didn't have a lot of other resources, so maybe they didn't know a lot about how their loan terms actually worked, or they would they targeted frequently um, veterans um, who got money from the GI Bill, um, who maybe were the first generation to go to college and they didn't know that the things that were happening weren't normal, really, for for a not-profit university. But they are for-profit university, so like I think a lot of people don't see that distinction and don't realize what's going on. Um, and I think that one of the things that ITT Tech promised that was the worst thing maybe that they did is that they told people that they had an 100% job placement rate. Um, and that's simply not true. It was very frequently less than 100, often less than 60%, which is the, the bare minimum required of them.
1: Yeah, and, and that one hundred percent statistic comes from a specific specific campus, uh, uh, one of ITT's specific campuses that was talking about placement in its cons- cons- its computer sciences program. But it turns out, and so they're out marketing, basically saying like, look, if you come, you know, to your point that you were making about their commercials earlier, if you come to this ITT campus and you get a computer science degree, you have a hundred percent chance of getting a job. Like, if you're in a tight spot, as a lot of people are in the financial crisis. And you have a family. Again, to your point about the commercials, right? Like, how can you turn that type of opportunity down? But then, the, as the facts come out, it's closer to 50%. So you think, like, I mean, this is just—it's just a fraud or a kind of a scam in the for-profit education context—is really not—is is what all of this is about.
0: And one of the things that people are saying about these job placement rates is that they'll help you get a job, but it's not necessarily in what you studied. That's the thing. <laughs> it'll it'll be a job like say you get an IT degree from them and they'll offer you a job selling insurance like it doesn't it doesn't really 100% add up um and not only did the federal government the uh have a problem with this but their accreditation um council also had a problem with this and they found that only 20 to 49% of the job placement that they did had anything to do with the degrees they offered
1: yeah yeah, I mean it, it, it's a horrible situation. And then if you think about like even those, you know, if even if we with when you were within a program, a lot of those programs didn't have accreditation. Kind of, you know, you're, you're referencing that accreditation process. Well, the, like the nursing program, for instance, at, at some of the campuses, they would come in. You'd have nursing students go to these programs, right? And, and it's horrible situation because they would go, but the their programs they would be led to believe that either the school was in the process of getting a state accreditation, or it already had it. When in fact neither were true. So you'd get out after spending all this money on a nursing degree. And either you couldn't get those credits transferred over to an actual nursing degree because there was no accreditation, or you couldn't get a job with it because you weren't, didn't come from an accredited program.
0: So, just to be clear, the school can have an accreditation, but then particular programs also have to have like a sub accreditation so that um, employers know that the, the program is good. Um, this also happened with a lot of their criminal justice um, degrees as well. Um, it's just really, really disappointing. So, on top of bad job placement, sketchy accreditation. Um, they have. There are many reports, you know, anecdotal reports. I haven't seen any like official commentary on this yet, but there's a lot of reports that ITT Tech's um, coursework was very shoddy. You know, um, that that the coursework was produced for people who were at a fifth grade level or was horribly out of date, um, and that is really sad that is a failing of education on an unspeakable level
1: yeah yeah and and it, again it just goes back to that you know in some contexts you know like education maybe that profit motive does not provide the the, the best outcome
0: yeah absolutely not
1: um and, and let me let me bring up another point gabby because I was thinking about this earlier is that you know what they have found when they have talked to these students, right? Who get all these loans, but then like they find that their job prospects are much, much less uh, promising um, than ITT or these other for-profit colleges have led them to believe. They found that in order to service their their, their student loans, people are avoiding medical treatment, they are delaying marriage, uh, they are putting off home buying. So this isn't just a problem with IT&T, right? Or ITT. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I keep saying that. This isn't a, just a problem with ITT. This is a problem that has a fundamental economic, you know, significance to the wider economy. If all of these things are going on, right? And, and, and we're having consumer spending is struggling and, and our economy is just kind of um, just kind of moving along really slowly, certainly this is this could, could, could be a contributing factor.
0: Absolutely, Um, and one of the things—I mean, if you—if you have gone to ITT Tech, you can, and you are having problems, you can contact the Department of Education. They have resources for you. If you're considering a for-profit university, one of the things you should maybe consider instead is your local community college. It's frequently four times less expensive to go to your local community college than it is to go to a for-profit university. And not only that, they're accredited by the state. And so frequently, you can take your credit your credits that you got at your community college and transfer them into a four year degree that you can get at your state's public university. That a lot of states have programs with that, Um, and you get a much better bang for your buck. Um, And that's actually something else I wanted to talk about uh, is the accreditation. Um, So ITT Tech was accredited by the Accrediting Council of Independent Colleges and Schools, which is ACICS. I'm going to try and call it, but it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, and ACICS actually raised a lot of red flags about ITT Tech, but the Department of Education shut them down too, because ACICS is responsible for accrediting a lot of these for-profit universities, um, like University of Phoenix and DeVry, um, which I think are, are pretty commonly well-known names. Um, and those universities have also run into a lot of trouble in the last few years. University of Phoenix lost 50,000 students last year, and DeVry has been sued by the Federal Trade Commission um, for telling students exactly the same thing that happened at ITT Tech, that they could um, help them get jobs that they could not help them get. Um, and last year, I don't know if, if you've heard of Corinthian colleges, but they closed most of its, their schools down because the Department of Education gave them a $30 million fine. Um, again, for overstating job job rates for graduates, um, and I think Corinthian is actually now out of business. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: it, it, it's just coming in this wave where companies and just need to be w- w- more focused on the consumer. What we have found is that in the in the wake of the financial crisis, is that the government is actually serious about consumer protection. Reforms. We've seen that in banking. We talked about it with Wells Fargo. It's now going on um, in in the for-profit education space. And and, uh, the you know I I think one takeaway for investors because we are an investor and a lot of these actually are you know publicly traded companies, is that if you're that there is serious risk now where you're looking at companies. And there isn't an alignment, a close alignment of interest between the various types of stakeholders and principally the investors and the customers of whatever these companies are. Because where there is a lack of alignment there, with the federal government looking at consumer protection right now so intently, there's always a potential now, right, where you could have this backlash like we're seeing like we've seen in banking like we're seeing right now in for-profit education so it's just it, you know it's just, it's just a good thing for investors to kind of like add to kind of you know the points that they look at when they consider a company
0: yeah think about these for-profit schools having the underwriting discipline of the of banks giving out mortgages pre-financial crisis and think because- about whether or not you would invest in that bank if you wouldn't then you shouldn't invest in these colleges <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I think it's so great that you bring up because it's all about discipline, right? It's all about, and that's what the credit underwriting process is. And the same thing with in the for-profit education realm, the same thing in all other realms. Companies that do the right thing, typically, it's not they are not taking the path of least resistance. You know what I mean? If you think about like whatever it is, Apple, Microsoft, these companies all forged very difficult paths. So when you see these, you know, companies taking shortcuts. And uh, you know, giving one of their constituents, namely their customers, the short end of the stick, that that needs to be a red flag for consumer for, for investors.
0: Yeah. Let me let me give you some some quick facts here. So on federal loans in general, an estimated forty two percent default. I think I said forty-four earlier, but I meant forty-two. Of that forty two percent, about forty four percent of the def- people who are defaulting attend for profit universities. Which is nuts when you realize that only 11% of the people in higher education are at for-profit universities. So 11% of the people who have uh, federal student aid um, are accounting for almost half of the the loan defaults that occur, which is insane. That's crazy. Yeah, and that I think really should make both students and investors think twice about buying into this company. And that's what they are—they're companies. They're not—I mean, they are colleges, but. They're primarily companies, um, which I think brings us to the end of our show. Uh, summation: Investors think twice. Students think twice. Um, you... If if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Absolutely. Um, on the bright side, we will no longer have to watch ITT Tech commercials on the East Coast. So, thank you, federal government. <laughs> um, anyone else have anything to add, Austin, John?
1: Uh, I think that, that about covers it from from my, my side.
0: Fantastic. Um, as usual, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Contact us at IndustryFocus at Fool.com or by tweeting us at MFIndustryFocus. Thanks again to Austin Morgan, who has suffered with me through the online for-profit ads. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more of them after having researched this story. Uh, Everyone have a great week.